gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in here in Columbia, what has been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd in Newton Price Stadium is second to none. And the raid breaks out in Columbia. It is good! Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Let's go, It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! You believe the Cops have won this game. Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert, Bill Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losing. And Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell you, you look like you joined Brett Dabster. Greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Cinerama Studios and built by the Barn Dominium Co. The Barn Dominium Co.com are often referred to as the Barndo Co. And for as low as $160 per square foot, you can build your dream home in the Carolinas, in Georgia, or in Tennessee. The Barn Dominium Co.com. JB, JC, and Phil here until 1 o'clock this afternoon. It is hump day. It is also the final day of the month of May. Postseason baseball begins in June, and we can't wait any longer. Coming up on Friday at Founders Park, Campbell, and NC State, the two and three seeds will square off. And then that night, it'll be 1-4 South Carolina and Central Connecticut State postseason baseball returns to the Midlands. Landon Powell returns to our program in 15 minutes. The head baseball coach up at North Greenville, they are playing for the Division II National Championship once again. They qualified last weekend looking to go back-to-back, so we'll certainly get into plenty of that with LP, and I know he's anxious to discuss his Gamecocks as well as Carolina looks to do some damage here in the postseason and return to Omaha for the first time since 2012. We are expecting a couple of kick times today. In addition to the one that we did get a little bit early yesterday, CBS went ahead and released a few of uh, of their scheduled kickoff times this season, the final season on CBS for the SEC. And I think we all predicted this right, didn't we? I know we were talking about it. I, I raised my hand and thought Carolina and Georgia would draw the 330 kick over Florida and Tennessee. And they did. We'll see how right we are, uh, JC. I think we've also kind of predicted about a 6 o'clock kickoff on ESPN for North Carolina, or at least I have, and then a night kick uh, on uh, against Furman the following week, maybe on the SEC Network Plus. So we'll see. But that stuff does matter because you can start planning funerals and weddings and all the things that you generally can't attend uh, during during football season if it's during, you know, game time. So – 
uh, we will uh, we'll push that along when we can. We'll talk a little bit more football today as well. Clearly, the scheduling stuff is still out there, and, and there's a big recruiting weekend coming up. I know a lot of you probably have some follow-up questions to maybe some of JC's comments at the end of the show yesterday, a lot of what's written on the Big Spur. So ask away, and we'll try to get them answered. A lot of postseason baseball talk certainly will be circulating throughout the next couple of hours. But without further ado, we bring in Classic Phil and UNLV's biggest fan, J.C. Schubert. Schubert, sorry. What's up? That's right. I'll tell you, there, there are days. There used to be days when the Gamecocks would lose, right? I think these are really kind of before the big spur. Day. Well, early big spur days. You know, I'd take it too hard. I'd be like, I'm moving to Vegas and I'm going to come. I'm going to become a UNLV fan because there's no pressure to win in football. You, you, if you win a game, it's a miracle. Uh, it's a good basketball school. They'll probably be back at some point, and it's in <laughs> Vegas. Uh, and I, you know, you, you just kind of like I'm just, just going to run away, and, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, so that's how I started liking UNLV, and also. Uh, when I was working for ESPN, I got sent out there a lot to interview. They, they had like a string of five-star players at Bishop Gorman, and uh, they tacked that on to me going to Phoenix and L.A., so I'd, I'd swing through Vegas. Well, I got to know some of like the people that live there, and UNLV fans are also uh, really good people. I mean, they, they're, they're passionate. They don't, you know, there's not a lot of them, uh, and they don't show up all the time for football, but but they're passionate. They, they love their rebel, running rebels and uh, all that good stuff. So I think uh, that's how I kind of started liking them. And, of course, the, those teams Jerry Tarkanian had back in the day, they were s- certainly fun to watch, certainly yeah. fun to watch. So that's 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 why I, I have several pieces of UNLV gear, and I really like this visor. But, um, you know, we'll see what Barry uh, – see, and, and this is another thing. I, this is what I don't like about UNLV. They should have hired our boy, and he was a finalist. Uncle Joe, oh. they should have hired oh, me. Yeah. I could have right. moved out to the desert in Las Vegas. I was at Southern Cal. Uh, I have ties to California. <laughs> I'd be, be a wild man at the, the Mandalay Bay in my suite, the running rebel suite with Coach O in the summer by the pool, uh, coaching the running rebels. And they hired Barry Odom, who's like, you compare <laughs> Coach O to, to Barry freaking Odom. They're, they're probably pretty similar dudes, if you like, like, just like, you know, in general. Mm-hmm. But personalities are completely different. I mean, there's nothing fun about Barry Odom at all. <laughs> nothing. No. You know, it's the same thing in basketball. They, they could have, if, if they'd have scraped the money together and gone to one of those casino magnets. And really said, we want Frank Martin to be our next men's basketball coach really bad. Okay. Frank Martin would have taken that job, right? If they could have paid him. But he wasn't going to leave and get paid half the money. Yeah, he's making it South Carolina. His family was happy and all that. But he has good connections out there and all that. So these people could have had Frank Martin and Coach O. Mm. And instead, they got Lon Kruger's son and Barry Odom. You'd figure that's they'd be not fun. putting together an NIL collective out there. Yeah, all that yeah money bad, bad. around, you know? Uh, Odom was a little intriguing when he had Bobby Petrino as his OC for like a month. And then he Bobby Crimmins him and went to AM, you know? And so, uh, I don't know who I'm going to Coach Odom, like, we'll just call that Coach Petrino. Go on. Let him go to put Coach for Jimbo. Not in the Aggies. Well, I'll run the offense. 
<laughs> I'm going to be in charge of recruiting. We're going to kick their hands and recruiting. We're go everywhere we see them. Roll Tide, what? Y'all remember that? <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, think somebody in the athletic department at UNLV got fired because they hired the wrong coach. O. I mean, yeah, they're, 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 oh, yeah, what if it was just some numb, yeah. numb skull sitting there? Yeah. And, and it's like, all right, all right, it's a go on O, and they're like, okay, okay, okay. okay. Uh, Barry, uh, Co- Coach o, Barry, you got it. And then they're like, <laughs> and then they're all sitting around like, who's going to call Orgeron and tell him he didn't get it? I'll just send him a text message. I'll just send him a text message. And they're like, what are you talking about? He's sitting there shirtless, shucking oysters, drinking a pina colada at Destin. What do you mean I didn't? What? The wrong Coach O. There was only one Coach O. Yeah, I, I don't think he ever cares to coach again. Why would he? Why would he? Why? Why? Why would you want to coach again? I, see, for him, he's always he. From what I know of him, he he enjoyed living out west, like in L.A. Like like he didn't stay at. T- he was the first one out the door at Tennessee when Kiffin left. Oh, we're going back to L.A. Oh my God, let me put my bag and call the recruits right now. And tell him to come to Southern Cal. Because he, he kind of got a like a restart of his career under Pete Carroll out there. And uh, the weather's nice. So the West to him, Vegas, I don't know. That's I, I don't know. No, Vegas isn't the West Coast. Come on, let's be it, honest. It's four hours from the West Coast. So? It's in the Pacific time zone. Yeah, but he can't just oh, I think I'm gonna go to the beach today. I, I mean, why would coach bullshit? I'll get in my coach O helicopter, my chop coach like, chop. Yeah. Have y'all, have y'all seen Succession? There. That's like Kendall Roy. Take the two billion dollars and go away. <laughs> like you know, like you don't need anything else. I mean, it's it. Cash out. What do you? What I mean, you work. You work in life to retire, right? These people. Some of these people get all this money, and then they choose to stress themselves out. If I had all that money, I'd be like, no, no way. Don't call me. But like I'll you, do it. I'll do a TV deal here and there just to have some fun. But no, if I had that much money, I doubt that I would live in Las Vegas because absolutely not. If I were no just going to sit there and chill, uh, uh-uh. JC Sherbert would be like, like sends no. through the hourglass. So is our bank account. I would have a house in the mountains. I'd buy an island and I'd have buy a plane an and I'd go back and forth. Like that's it. No more I twenty six traffic. No more none of that crap. Planes. Back and forth. Hang glider. Yeah, I mean, whatever. There you go. That's anyway, probably what Tocho would be doing out west. That's that's my UNLV story. Yeah, I'm gonna go hang glider. Montana, Montana in the in the summer and fall. Montana in the winter is yes. Wow. It's like Wyoming. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful out there in the summer. Spend the. I spent two weeks in the winter out there at my in laws, and we were under eighteen inches of snow the whole time. It's like, hey, do y'all want to? Go get something to eat. Well, oh, yeah. I guess we'll just sit in here and smoke meth. That's what a lot of them do. (laughs) (laughs) Sonner says, "What about eating?" (laughs) Vegas is a crazy place. Shout out to the poker room in Aria. I stayed at Aria one time. It's kind of fun. Yeah, Uh, I haven't been to Vegas in December of 2014. Ryan Bartow and I went to see. Guns and Roses before Slash got back in the band, um, and had a really good time. But uh, I hadn't been out there since. I'm gonna maybe I'll go and just get married out in Vegas with Elvis. Oh, oh, gonna get married. Maybe I'll let Coach O do it. Well, well, I'm sorry, I didn't get the job, so I can't do it. JC, 
<laughs> I am a justice of the peace, though. That's right. Down in Dustin. Yeah. I'll now pronounce you. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. I, all right. We got to get off this. I'm, so I'm trying to figure out how we have – Ten hours a week uh, uh, on the air, and JC spends four hours a week making Cocho voices. It's quality, guys. <laughs> yeah, Whatever pays. Our, the our, our marketing partners got to be thrilled. You know, like, these guys are really like, tuning in for all this stuff. <laughs> you know? some average um, all right. With, with Landon coming up, we won't start any of these conversations now, as I certainly want to get more into them. But Tony did have an interesting report this morning on some things he's hearing with Lenoris Sellers that we mm. will make part of our uh, program here uh, coming up in. in in just a little while. And also uh, another guy that works for this uh, group called the big spur.com. If, if you watch and listen to our program and you're not a member of the big spur, um, it's $10. Probably $10 a month. It's kind of, kind hey, of valuable. Get, stuff. get started uh, for a buck, a buck, yeah. one, one whole $1. dollar. Um, John Whittle has a report out this. He did mention some of this yesterday on our, on our program. Um, one was uh, about a transfer coming in potentially from UNC Greensboro. There's uh, Kennedy, Kennedy Jones is the name of that outfielder, and he he is a dandy. Uh, I've got a little bit of a scouting report on him from playing in the SoCon and a couple of my contacts in that league, and he he's good. He can play. He's been he's been contacted by just about everybody uh, from LSU to, to Clemson to Wake to everybody in between obviously South Carolina and uh, Gamecocks are really high on his list and then um, John did mention yesterday as well uh, potentially a, um, a a a kid from North Florida um, and he would be the leadoff guy that they're kind of kind of looking for if they can find a way to get him in so we'll, we'll have to see kind of how all that works I mean Carolina's got plenty of baseball hopefully to play between now and then but some of the things that we have seen this year, some of the holes that kind of were exposed as the season went along, like really not a true leadoff guy in there, you know, looking for somebody who can kind of fill one of those outfield spots and provide some pop and actually swing it. Well, there you go. Um, and there will be plenty of names coming up soon as well from the pitching standpoint. But John mentioned his math was way off, but uh, 48 teams, will be eliminated this weekend in college baseball. And uh, once that happens, you'll begin to see more names kind of trickle into the portal and South Carolina will, will hit on many of them. I've got, uh, yeah, I've kind of been hearing some things in the grapevine about some of the portal guys. And I, I, I think one of the, and look, correct me if you guys don't, don't agree. I think one of the dumbest anti Kingston things I've started to hear is that, Oh my God! Why does he have to get ten players out of the portal? Well, well everybody's it's 20, doing that. It's twenty twenty three, dude. Look at um, look at LSU. I mean, all- I, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's twenty twenty three in college athletics. It doesn't make a fiddler's foo like where you get players from in any sport these days, as long as you get them. And you know, I, I think if you do a good job in the portal. It's just like Ray Tanner going and filling holes with JUCO players back in the day, isn't it? Uh, it's the exact. That is the. I was just about to say it is literally the exact same thing. This was Coach Tanner's philosophy. Coach Tanner's philosophy was very simple: recruit the best players in the state of South Carolina. You're always going. If you hit on them, you're always going to sign some dudes from outside the state that are going to 
uh, come in and help you. Guys like Landon Powell, for instance, from North Carolina, from Apex, Florida, Georgia. You're going to sign guys here and there from other places. Jackie came from Virginia, for instance. Like That's going to happen, but he always plugged the gaps with JUCO guys. Now, there are JUCO guys you will plug gaps with, but you will plug the gaps more times than not these days with the portal uh, who have shown that they can do it at the next level. And it does not have to be a guy that transfers from Wake Forest or Georgia or a Power 5 program. That is not the way it works. Um, you can absolutely go plug your, your holes with guys from, you know, the Citadel or or Greensboro or wherever it may be. So it, it is – baseball develops a little bit differently, and um, it is certainly uh, – yes, absolutely, JC. It's a great point. I had it in my notes to make that today as well, that, that, that this has always happened in baseball. But you're just – you're not really replacing JUCO, but you are infiltrating the JUCO plugs – with the portal plugs. Yeah. Well, you got to be adept at managing the current system too. So I don't see why, I mean, why would you fault King and not Beamer? Cause he's doing the same thing. Plugging in. Oh, Beamer wouldn't have gone with the portal. I mean, you know, yeah, right. I mean, with yeah, that, think Beamer about the portal players that we've had over the past two seasons. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's all you yeah, can I mean, point to. <laughs> look, I mean, they don't be Clemson if it's not for transfers. And that's fine. And Beamer's embraced it. And I think Beamer does a really good job. Uh, it probably is a little different because you're sitting there, fans are sitting there staring at Beamer with a top 10 class uh, with the high school ranks right now. Keyston, frankly, and he'll be probably the first to tell you, they didn't have a good class. And, and look, I, that's on the head coach has to be held responsible for that. But let me just say this. I think the rules in college baseball with all the eighth grade recruiting this sport's been doing for 10 years – I, I look, it's a one and everybody's going to be in the portal because everybody's going to have a lot of misses. It's impossible. It is impossible to accurately predict a kid from eighth grade as to how he's going to translate to the college level. And and like Keith said here on this show, he had to do it. Well, now it's different. Um, so if, you know, there's no change or anything like that, uh, let's not start talking about how Mark Kingston can't recruit. He's just, all this and that and the other. Let, let's give them a chance to kind of – because it's not like basketball and football. It's done so far in advance. He was dealing with some of Holbrook's classes for the first two or three years he was here because those kids are already committed and you, you stand by that because, you you know, you don't want to get in a bad room. I mean, that, that's something that I think gets lost on people as far as recruiting in baseball goes. It's, it's just it's just different. <laughs> Baseball's always had a lot of transfers. Brian Roberts. Mm-hmm. Y'all remember Brian Roberts? So did I remember. Yeah, yeah. He he transferred in from North Carolina. His dad got fired and played his last year at South Carolina. I mean, transfers because baseball it used to be you didn't have to sit in that sport. Um, so don't don't crap all over the transfer portal. So, I mean, there's a lot to crap all over if you want to crap all over Kingston. Uh, the transfer use of the portal to me is is utterly. Uh, it's just barking up the wrong tree. Well, you 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 That's can make the opinion. legitimate argument uh, that um, that baseball was long plugging holes before any of these other sports were. This has been Amen. like this for a long time. Uh, that you know, and now you're just doing it with uh, with portal guys versus JUCO guys. It's hurt JUCO, unfortunately, but. Um, but you know that's that's the nature of the beast. That's that's where they are. So, um, but uh, and as we go to break here, uh, 
where Clint said, I still think that Coach King's high school and JUCO recruiting needs to get better. I, I would, yeah, I agree. I mean, well, they <clears throat> look. A lot of that is changing right now. It's, it's, it. You know, I, I can't speak on a lot of the specifics necessarily. That's for them to do. Um, but I can, I can tell you this: like, they have been deficient in signing the best players in this state over the last few years. That is changing quickly, very quickly. Uh, and in in years past, that was never the case. So. Um, you know, you want to win at the highest level at Carolina, sign the best players in South Carolina. And, um, and they're going to, they're going to continue to do a better job of doing that. So, uh, but nonetheless, Carolina is hosting a regional this weekend at South Carolina at, uh, Founders Park, excuse me. And, uh, certainly, certainly looking forward to that. I did see Cam said, I've never been to Founders Park. That changes Friday night. Can't wait. Well, Cam, welcome. Um, I'll be there on Friday night. So track me down if you can. Um, but, uh, uh, it is get in early if you can, I think they'll probably let you in an hour before first pitch. If you've got your children walk in the outfield and, um, just, just see all the, all the stuff, just, just walk around and see it all. Make sure you hit every concession stand. There's something different in all of them and, uh, and, and lean over the bullpen and say hello to the players. They will say hi to you. And all those type things. So uh, just walk around the whole ballpark and see every every ounce of it because it really is so beautiful. And uh, you will love it. You will absolutely love it. Everybody will love Landon Powell. They already have. He was here just a couple of weeks ago. And um, we can't wait to have him back in just a couple of minutes. So we're going to hit a quick timeout. We are painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. And when we return, the former All-American and first-round draft pick and current head coach at North Greenville, Landon Powell, will pop on inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, All of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. 
But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy installation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. Traveling to cheer on the Gamecocks? Reserve your hotel stay with Fan Plans. Your booking supports inside the Gamecocks and the Big Spur, plus you still earn your hotel loyalty points. Visit fanplans.com slash inside the Gamecocks. What's up, Gamecock Nation? This is Jakar Moore from the DMV, and you are listening to the show. Welcome back, everybody, inside the Gamecocks, the show, first hour of the show, presented to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker King Realty Team here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call, 864-414-5271, for all your upstate residential real estate needs. JC had to step away for just a second. He'll be right back. Is he Apparently, scared he of Landon? he doesn't want to talk to you, Landon. I mean, that's it. Like, it's he wasn't a couple weeks ago, and now he's just he just <laughs> dipped out into the chat here saying he had to handle something. So, yeah, that's, two, know, time, that's two in a row, isn't it? Two, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, congratulations I mean, he, on y'all making yeah. the championship here up in Cary. Looking forward to it. Cheering you on. Hoping all the best, man. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a fun couple weeks since we last talked. Uh, we, we've had a good postseason, some uh, late-game heroics and some big moments from guys, and it's been a lot of fun. So we're excited if we go back to the World Series and try to defend our title. It's uh, There hasn't been a back-to-back national champion at the Division II level in about 20 years. So uh, it'd be pretty cool to do it. And it's a rare, you know, it's a really rare thing to do anyway. You know, our, our Gamecocks were able to do it there in uh, 10 and 11, but it's a uh, it's a really hard feat to win back-to-back years. There's so much parity in college baseball. So uh, we're going to try to go do it ourselves, give it a run. So it all begins on Sunday, uh, Landon. Uh, y'all, y'all will play – or no, it starts Saturday. I'm sorry. Uh, y'all will play on Sunday night against Augustana. Is, are they in South Dakota? Yeah, South Dakota. They're actually a good program. They, they won the national wow. championship in 18. And they've been to the World Series, I think, three times in the last 10 or 12 years. So – they're 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 one of the bigger schools up there in that area, and they I guess they somehow pull pretty good players there. But um, yeah, they're in South Dakota, so uh, that's worlds away. It feels that's, like from South Carolina. So where do they? Where, where at in South Dakota? I really don't know, to be honest with you. <laughs> Who cares? It's South Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> if we told you the nearest city, JB, would you know where it was? <laughs> Let's see. What's the capital of South Dakota? Is that? Is that Sioux Falls or Fargo or Pierre? I thought it was Pierre. Pierre, Pierre, that sounds good. Pierre sounds good. Pierre itself, yeah. Okay. Well, if it's anywhere near there, then maybe, but outside of that, I I just, (laughs) I'm, whatever. Um, Yeah, so you swept through the Supers last weekend, uh, Landon, taking down Belmont Abbey. You hung 26 runs on the board against those guys. Your offense just really, really popped. And, of course, y'all been doing that all year, hitting 330 as a team. Um, we're certainly going to talk about the Gamecocks, no doubt. But as Phil said, first of all, congratulations getting through your regional because you got beat by Mount Olive. You had to turn around and beat them twice, and you did it. And then you beat Belmont Abbey. So kind of walk us through the last 
the last couple of weeks, the regional and the super, the type of programs that y'all had to go through just to get back to carry? Yeah, our, I mean, I've said this before. Our regional and super regional may be stiffer competition than the World Series. I mean, I think our region is so tough. And I know last year it was. Uh, the teams we played in the regional and the super regional last year, I, I felt were stronger than any team we faced in the World Series, especially pitching-wise. Um, this year, I mean, Mount Olive is our rival in our conference. They were the only team in the last two years that beat us in a series. Um, so we kind of owed them, we felt like. Uh, but before we had to play them, we had to play Georgia Southwestern University, who had had – man, they were the hottest team in the country at the end of the regular season. They won the Peach Belt regular season and the Peach Belt tournament, and they have two aces. They have two really good arms. So we knew they were going to be a problem. Um, we actually beat them with a walk-off homer in the uh, in the bottom of the – I think it was bottom of the eighth inning maybe is when the home run was actually hit. I don't think it was – maybe it was bottom of the ninth. No, it was bottom of the ninth because they, they mauled the guy. So um, John Michael Fail, our All-American catcher, um, he hit a he hit a home run to to win the game, and it was it, the home run broke the all time NCAA uh, home run record. Yep. So it was a a walk off home run in a regional that broke the all time home run record. So it was pretty cool. Um, so that was dramatic. And then we go around Friday night and play Mount Olive, um, our rival, and they beat us. Um, so we had our back against the wall Saturday and had to win two to continue the dream and to keep playing. And uh, our guys showed up just. It was one of those days you're real proud as a coach. They showed up with a different mentality, a different focus. They were just – it was like a quiet calm about them. They knew they were going to win. And uh, we left no doubt. We beat them, I think, 12-3 uh, and 9-2 to two or something like that in the two games. So um, it, was, uh, it was a good day at the ballpark. That advanced us to the Super Regionals, and we played another in-conference rival, uh, Belmont Abbey University. So – we played them in the regular season at their place. We beat them two out of three. And they were a team that, I mean, be honest with you guys, I, I kind of thought it was a favorable matchup for us in the Super Regional. I mean, they're a team that we've had a lot of success with against a lot, the last couple of years. So our players weren't really fearful of them. And, you know, we felt like we could, if we played to our ability, we would handle them. And, uh, and we did. We beat them twice on the first day and went ahead and, you know, solidified the the run to to carry again. So we're excited to get back and try to defend the title. So I figured out your coaching style after playing at South Carolina and playing for Coach Tanner and just following along with kind of their method of doing things. Just go in and get swept out of the conference tournament and then just turn around and make it to the World Series. <laughs> yeah, so we did that in 2 right? So we had, like, the best team in the country, won the SEC that year, and we go to we go to the – to, to Hoover there and uh, we go to and barbecue and yeah, it's uh, one of those famous, a lot of guys that played for that team and they'll, they'll tell you about the, the rant coach Tanner went on on the bus after the game and he, he, he ripped us up and uh, he said, we're going to go back to Columbia and we're going to do two a days until we get it right. And uh, you know, and we did. So this year when we lost two straight in the conference tournament, my guys, uh, I told them the same thing. I said, we're going home. We're doing two a days. And uh, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure this doesn't happen again. So we, the hardest week of the entire season for us was the week after the conference tournament. I, I worked them to the bone, and uh, it was awesome. They responded. They, they, they did not back down. They worked their butts off. They rose to the, the challenge, and, uh, and they're playing some really good baseball now. So uh, it, it was uh, – I, I thought a lot about O2, I promise you. That, that was a big part of my thought process as a coach. I, by the way, I still contend to this day, had they had the three-game series back then, y'all would have won the national championship just because of the way your pitching was set up. But um, I agree. You know, that's, <laughs> that's for another day, LP. So um, 
so I, I want to – okay, you just said something that I think – Coach Kingston said this last week too. And, and you do hear this often from coaches this time of the year at every level when they get through the conference tournament in college baseball and maybe they struggle there. They say, especially when the postseason is on the horizon, we're going to go back home and we're going to really grind and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. But a lot of people don't – like they're, they're sitting there going, well, have you not been doing that all year? Like what does that mean? So what does that mean? Like what what did you do? What are coaches doing when you – are trying to get prepared for the postseason. You've got four or five days to do so, and everybody says we're going to really push them hard and we're going to ham- put the hammer down and those type things. What's going on out there? So the things I did is I I, I made uh, I made consequences for mistakes, you know, in practice. So a lot of times as the season goes on, you get comfortable. You know, you miss a ground ball, so what? You miss a fly ball, so what? No big deal. I started putting consequences on every mistake because in the real world, playing our games in the regional or super regional. You make a mistake and it's your season on the line. It's a major consequence. And they need to feel that in practice. So if they can practice with that pressure of knowing that there's consequences, then they'll get more comfortable being uncomfortable. And, uh, and so that's what we did in practice. We really, you know, if they miss ground balls, we ran a hill. You know, if they, um, if they made a bad route in the outfield, we ran a hill, you know, stuff like that. And so it just it increased their awareness. Uh, Coach Tanner had a saying all the time, heightened awareness. Well, our guys increased their awareness that week and got more focused and locked in on every individual rep. Um, that was one thing. And, um, you know, then you go to a regional and you are, you're playing for your life. So um, the adrenaline goes up, the level of concentration goes up. And so trying to mirror that in practice every day is what we were doing. Um, from an offensive standpoint, uh, we try to simplify, uh, not get so big and long with our swings, not rely on the home run. We don't want to live and die by the home run. We wanted our guys to put competitive bats up and, uh, not strike out, hit a lot of line drives. And uh, um, so that was kind of changing our offensive approach over that week and, and uh, become more of a grindy offense. You know, we went to the regional, super regional, and hit a ton of home runs. So, you know, that, that process, it actually worked out in the right way. We, we weren't trying to hit home runs, but we were. Whereas at the conference tournament, we were trying to hit them and we weren't. Um, and so that's how it should be. So the last time we talked to you, Fail had 14 home runs. Now he's got 20. This is less yeah, he's than had an incredible – the last 22 games, he's been insane. He, he's got 14 home runs and 47 RBIs in the last 22 games. Jeez, so Jesus. he's been unconscious. Unconscious, yeah. And, 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 and now, per NCAA he four rule home run, – He had four home runs in the Super Regional in one day. Nine RBIs, four home runs in one day in the Super Regional. And in the Regional, he hit two home runs, one of them being a walk-off. So, uh, the guy's unbelievable. I can't say enough about him. Well, and to, and to be fair now, I mean, he's not the only guy in this team that is just mashes. Mo, Pat Monteith, David Lewis, those guys have a combined 37 jacks this year. Um, Schlupp, uh, Bryce Roddy. I mean, all these guys swing it. Yeah, we have, we have six ball. guys. We have six guys in the lineup with 11 or more home runs. Six different guys have 11 plus home runs. One of those guys is. Uh, Jalen Gamecock. Yeah. We got him up here and fixed his swing a little bit. We shortened him up, flattened him out, and uh, it's it's worked well for him. He's hit 350 with 11 homers. He's having a good year at the plate. Imagine, it's amazing what happens when you do that. Uh, and, and just to be clear, uh, per NCAA rule, none of these guys can come hit for Carolina on Friday and Saturday and then meet up with you on Sunday and carry, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that I don't think that is allowed. No, I don't think that's allowed. But hey, the Gamecocks got a good team. Let's, I, I, I'm they a Gamecock do. fan. I'm with all you guys. 
you know, just because I'm coaching here at North Greenville doesn't mean I'm not rooting on the Gamecocks. Um, I think that getting some of these guys back healthy, Wimmer back, and hopefully Sanders back, and you know, there's the talent there to, to make a run, without a doubt. I know they haven't finished the season like that we've all hoped, but the talent is there, and if they can get locked in and uh, just start playing with a little confidence, I think they can make a run. What do you think? Uh, not to totally transition away from your team, Landon, because we're we're so proud of you. We've been I've been watching the games on YouTube, uh, and uh, and can't wait to see your guys win the World Series again, and hopefully, and go back to back. But um, as a coach, you know, you you mentioned the things that you just mentioned about Carolina getting healthy, and they're going to be home, you know, in a regional, and and there was some angst about whether they would have to travel with the struggles of the last 15 games or whether they would, would, would be at home. Can you kind of take us through that a little bit? Like what being able to play on Friday night at Founders Park in front of 8,000 people is going to be like for this group as opposed to getting on a plane or a bus on Tuesday or Wednesday and hitting the road for, for a few days? Yeah, you like, know, I don't think home field advantage matters as much in baseball as it does maybe in the sport of basketball. Like NBA home field advantage is so huge, but it definitely matters without a doubt. And I can tell you growing up playing at Sarge Fry and the atmosphere there, it was an advantage to us. We knew our fans had our back and and the fan base at South Carolina, they didn't just they didn't just go to experience the game. They knew the game. They they knew situations. They knew when to get loud and to make noise and when to lay back and let the game develop. So it was a huge advantage to us playing at Sarge Fry with in front of the fan base there, as I know it is today at Founders Park. Um we've been fortunate to play at home here at North Greenville and we're on the season, like 27-1 and one here at home. Uh, we lost our first home game in the regional to Mount Olive. That's the first home game we had lost the whole season. So um, I think that the fans getting behind the players and cheering them on, as long as the fans' energy stays positive and, you know, if they give up a couple runs early, you don't feel the negative energy, which I know can sometimes creep in. My advice to fans, keep it positive, stay in the game, never, you know, never out of it. And, and until the last pitch is thrown, have the back of your players and create that energy because you can – impact the game those some of these schools coming to play at our place haven't you know coastal carolina i mean not coastal campbell hasn't played in front of a fan base like south carolina very often so if we can make some noise and create some energy it's an advantage to our players for sure i'm gonna take you back and uh nice hey, to see you finally up. good to see you too jc i'm uh you talk i'm listening i'm gonna have to plug in my ipad so it doesn't die here but i'm i'm listening and i'll answer as soon as you <laughs> okay can, okay you talked to you about the positive energy of the crowd i'm gonna take you back to o2 game three against miami uh you guys uh had been bounced in the supers the two previous years you're down four to one uh i believe it was the top of the ninth uh talk about the energy at sarge fry field when you guys started that rally i, I think that's a very under appreciated moment in carolina baseball history uh that game three of that super regional against the hurricanes there at the sarge that uh, took tanner coach tanner and you guys to your first college world series yeah i mean that the i mean we were down four i think to start that inning mm-hmm. so uh you know, and they had Miami had an All American closer on the mound that I don't think he had blown a save all season. So the the odds were stacked against us. But you know, they played two thousand one at the beginning of that inning, and the crowd got going, and you could feel the energy. We had had a season that year where we had some dramatic comebacks throughout the regular season, and we also had a closer in Blake Taylor that when he came in, they'd play Sandstorm, and the place would go nuts. So we we had that ninth inning 
energy was a tradition in, in, at Sarge Fry. So, um, you know, the inning started with a um, you know guy getting on base, and Coach Tanner pinch hit Trey Dyson. He hit a big double. Then he pinch hit Garris Gantz, and he got a big hit. You, you know, have, having those guys come off the bench who were regular starters all year, Dyson and Gantz were regular starters all year. So for those guys to come off the bench and get hits, you know, the stars just erupted. And then uh, that created some energy. And and then I, I really do believe it impacted the inning because Maddie Enzo, Miami's catcher, had two pass balls. Yeah. And and I really do think it had a lot to do with the the energy in the ballpark. You know, there was a there was a force kind of, you could feel it. And, and Miami players started to get tight and they started to, make some mistakes and uh that's all we needed was a window and uh we were able to score a couple and as soon as it got close um i almost felt like you know we knew we had it we knew we had it so that was a fun inning i i will uh i will give you guys a guess of what i did that inning didn't you guys remember what i did in my that did you strike out no, no. Ah, i'm sack fly i don't remember <laughs> I gotta no remember. but close jc i sack bunted Oh, that's, oh, oh wow. yeah. that's right. I remember Mike Morgan called that and he was like, Landon Powell, Bonsie, right. Bonsie. <laughs> like, it might have been the only sack one of my entire career. Yeah. And, I listened to Morgan I will, call I'll that game. Down beautifully, if I can say myself. It was, it was a perfect bunt. I almost beat it out, but he, yeah, I'm too slow. Okay, yeah, so, games weren't always on TV back then. You had to wait till you got to Omaha to be on TV. So I listened to Mike's call of that game, and I remember – Yep. I didn't turn it off to my credit. I mean, back then you believed. You're right. You had some ninth inning magic. I didn't turn it off, but uh, you did. Say, but I remember that. Did, now. did wow. you? What? I mean, I know, like, I know how it is with Coach Tanner, but like, you would, during practice, you you know, you get a few bunts in. I know he wants you to get them down. And so, but I mean, guys like Landon Powell, you just mentioned a bunch of names, Garrish Gons, those guys. You, you're, you're there to, you're there to, you know, Double, you know, hit doubles and home runs, basically. is what you Yeah, Coach Tanner was not a bunt guy, really. Uh, he, he was uh, – his offensive philosophy was a, a walk, a bloop, and a three-run homer. I mean, right. that's how we wanted to score. And, uh, and BP, he wanted – I mean, he would throw a pitch, and we'd hit it, and he'd turn around and watch it. And so our BPs took an hour and a half because he loved to watch the home run leave the ballpark as much as anybody. Um, so we were not a bunting team. We were not a small ball team. But, you know, it's funny, when we got down to the innings that mattered, I laid down a bunt, uh, Justin Harris bunted in that same inning, and they didn't cover first, and he beat it out, yep. which was a huge – that was right right before me. So I think Harris bunted the, the batter before me, and they didn't cover, and he beat it out. So it was first and second, nobody out when I came up. And uh, and it was, a, I think, at the time, tie game. Garris Gantz maybe was on second. So I had to bunt. It was a nobody out, first and second situation, tie game in the ninth. You know, um, Bunning was definitely the right decision. Did he say anything to you in the dugout? Like, hey, you might have to lay one down here? Or No, I mean, so they were Bunning Harris to move Gantz into score position for me to hit, you know, uh, to get a guy at second with, you know, we got two chances to score him in a tie game. So, um, but once Harris got on, like now we have to bunt because now we can not only get the tying run to third, but we can get the winning run to second. And, you know, we had a shot to actually win this thing right here. And that's exactly what happened. We bunted them over. They threw me out at first. And then Maddie Enzo had two pass balls in a row. And uh, they scored the tying, the, 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 the tying and go-ahead run were scored through pass balls. What, did you bunt a fastball? I couldn't tell you. Probably. I, I really don't remember yeah. what pitch it was. But, yeah. you know, I, I did always work on bunting, even though I never – I mean, I bunted once my whole college career and maybe once my whole pro career. My first ever major league spring training with the Oakland A's. I'm a rookie – 
first ever game started in a major league spring training. And my first at bat, the manager gives me a bunt. And uh, I was just like, are you kidding me? I'd been playing minor league baseball for five years, hadn't bunted one time. And I get to the big leagues, he gives me a bunt my first at bat. And I got it down. I did. It's uh, So it's one of those things I always kind of practice, and it paid off a couple times for me. You, you you just described an inning though that I think is um, is what we have long known Gamecock baseball to to be about, and and over the last you know I, I'd say decade or so, I, I feel like some of that magic has been lost, you know, especially in the in the seats. I mean, the Sarge, Landon, that game that you're talking about when y'all were down in the ninth inning, nobody had left the yard. Uh, you, you very much felt like it, it's at some point in time it's going to click and they're going to and they're going to win this thing, and and I and I and I often this is me speaking. I don't. I'm not asking you to say anything about this, but sometimes Carolina's down in the seventh inning. You look up, and half the place is walked out because they've already given up on everything. But but I feel like that's that's what the magic of game game cut baseball has long been about. The players and the fans connect to bring this energy out that at times is just really unbeatable. And and they're going to need that this weekend. I mean, this is a tough regional, and, and and they're going to need that moving forward. Every player that plays, understanding their role and what they need to do. You just explained two guys that were asked to pinch hit in that inning, and I think that's one of the things that Coach Tanner did so well. He had such a great feel for his club. He could see guys before the game, know who was swinging it well, know who he, maybe he should plug in the lineup or was going to get a late game A-B. But guys understood what their roles were, and they excelled in those roles. And I, and and there's some of that has been there this year. Some of it lately hasn't been. But I think there's a lot that plays into that with injuries and such as well. But hopefully, it all comes together this weekend. Yeah, I I, I, I do agree, and I think that you know that's why I said earlier for Gamecock fans that this weekend at Founders, like you know they have an opportunity to create an energy there and 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 to create that that. To me, when I played at Sarge, I could feel the fan base. I, I knew you guys had our back. I knew that you wanted us to win just as bad as we wanted to. And um, it, it felt like it was 8,000 versus 9, you know, at, at the, when there was a sellout at the Sarge. So I would encourage fans this weekend that, that go to Founders to watch the, the regional, like, do that. Stay in it. Believe in it all the way to the end. You know, even if you're down three or four to start the ninth, like, you're never out of it. you got to believe in your team. And, uh, man, you'd hate to leave a ballpark and – and, and miss a moment. You know, think about anybody that left Sarge Fry that that night in 2002. Like, they missed one of the greatest moments in Gamecock baseball history and, and the first time for Coach Tanner to get a team to Omaha. Like, they, they could have been there and seen that. Um, you know, I I, uh, I can tell you this. There's an inner – you know, when Gamecock fans experience something like that, and that Space Odyssey 2001 plays or Sandstorm and the fans get behind the team and – um, you have a big moment at a ballpark. That's what college athletics are all about. And uh, I remember what solidified me coming to South Carolina. I knew I wanted to go there to play for Coach Tanner, but I went down to watch a Clemson-South Carolina game um, in high school, and uh, it was 8,000 people there, standing room only. And, you know, we were down a couple runs late, and Marcos Rios came in and hit a game-winning double in the gap. And I've never been in a ballpark with that much energy and that much life, and it was so loud. And I thought to myself at that moment as a high school junior, I was like, yep, this is this I'm playing here. Like, this is where I'm coming and this is where I want to spend my career. So, you know, the fans don't realize how much of an impact they have on the game and um, what they can do for the team. And um, so I hope that they create that this weekend at at, uh, Founders. Are there any pro ball yards you played in during your career that 
I don't know had a had a collegiate type atmosphere, or is it just uh, is it just different in the majors? Yeah, the, the big league ballparks that I would say have that. I mean, Wrigley and and Fenway for sure. Fenway. Yeah, I mean, Fenway and Wrigley are different. Like they just there's an energy about those places that you can feel it, and there's a history about them too. And you know, walking through the tunnel out of the locker room, knowing that Babe Ruth walked in that same tunnel, and then you know, getting in that batter's box and knowing that, that Ted Williams stood in that same exact spot. I mean, that that was the stuff I remember as a player thinking, man, this is like so cool to play here. But the crowds at those places, they're on top of you. And it, it creates more of like a Sarge Fry atmosphere, I think. You know, uh, that was one of the things I loved at Sarge. I mean, it felt like the fans were right there on top of us and with us. And, you know, there are other ballparks like Yankee Stadium to me. It, it I played at the brand new Yankee Stadium. I didn't get to play at the old one. And uh, the new one's like a – I don't know. It feels like a corporate office building more than it does a ballpark. Mm -hmm. It's just so big and fancy. And um, there's other ballparks that are like that too. So I kind of favor the old school places like Wrigley and Fenway. And, um, you know, baseball is such an atmosphere sport. And um, I would much rather play in a a ballpark like that where the fans are right on top of you and you can feel their energy than maybe some of these, you know, huge mega ballparks that just feel so open and vast. Yeah, smoke. Smoke said Fenway was at the top of his list. He loved playing at Yankee Stadium, but but he was like, man, those places you walk out and all the trash are talking to you. He's like, they get so offensive that it's funny. You know, you're just out there laughing <laughs> at yourself um, with what they're saying. But so uh, this is a uh, you can answer this any way you want to, Landon. It's a very broad question, but everybody I seem like who's it seems like who's been to Omaha answers it a little bit differently. Once the postseason begins, what does it take to get to Omaha? Well, you got to, you know, I think pitching is very important. You got to have some good pitching. Um, pitching and defense wins in the postseason. Uh, offensive teams, they run into a buzzsaw pitcher, they get shut down. You know, that's kind of what happened to us in Omaha in 02. We, we, we go up against uh, Kyle Baker the first game, yeah. Georgia Tech 6 9 lefty, and he just carved us. And the next thing we know, we get shut out. And uh, that happened again the next year, 03 and 04. We got shut out opening games. 03, uh, Jeremy Guthrie shut us out, I think, for Stanford. And then 04, uh, Jason Windsor from Cal State Florida. And so three years in a row, we went to Omaha and we got shut out the first game each year. So pitching is huge. If you can get a good outing from a guy, you know, think about the national championship in 2010. I mean, it was a one-to-one game in the 11th. You know, pitching was what dominated for the Gamecocks with Roth and, you know, Blake Cooper and those guys were giving great outings. So um, I think the Gamecocks got to get some good pitching here in the postseason. And then uh, you got to have the ball bounce your way. There's going to be some plays. There's going to be some big breaks here or there where there's a there's a you know a diving play that saves two runs, or there's a big you know a, a, a you know a blown call or a you know a, a, an overthrow in a big situation. That that stuff happens every postseason, and there's like one play that can change a game. When you're talking about the the parity of all these teams that are going to be competing, um, you know, they're all capable and, and good enough to advance. So it's going to be how the ball bounces and who gets the break on the big play and who wh- which hitter gets the timely hit and, you know, which pitcher makes the big pitch. That's that's what it's going to come down to. So, um, you know, I'm fortunate here at North Greenville. I coach a bunch of guys that, that want to be that guy. They want to make that big pitch. They want to get that big hit. And uh, they're not scared of the moment. They, they are starving for that moment. And uh, that's what you need – to have a team full of winners that uh, want it. They want the ball when it's crunch time. And um, we'll see if the Gamecocks are like that. 
uh, and by the way, just in case anybody has, has missed it, it, it does appear that South Carolina is going to be in much better health this weekend. Messina expected back behind the plate, which I still need to go back and check. And I, I'm not sure, but he might be the first first team All-SEC catcher since this guy, which is crazy to think about because there's been a lot of good ones. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing. Cole Messina, Braylon Wimmer back at short, and, of course, Will Sanders will de- deepen that bullpen this weekend as well. Okay, we know Omaha is special. Landon, we'll, we'll get you out of here on this. Your guys are going to be in Cary, North Carolina this weekend. Very close for the large portion of our audience uh, here in the Carolinas that watch and listen uh, to our program. Describe the D2 World Series at Cary. We, we know the history. It's Team USA's facility. Um, I mean, like, do you have like a VIP entrance there? You've been in and out of that place more times in your life than probably your own home. Uh, so kind of walk us through what it's like to play, the atmosphere, the teams, the, the whole nine yards. Well, it's really cool for me personally to go back up there. I grew up there. Um, I lived on a farm about three miles away from there. And uh, back then it was just a bunch of farmland and fields. And um, my brother and I had four-wheelers, and we would jump on our four-wheeler and go ride all around the world out there. And so where the USA Baseball Complex sits right now, it used to be a bunch of fields that we would ride our four-wheeler on. And, I mean, it's kind of – it's really cool for me. It, it, it's funny how the world works. I made the USA team in high school, the 16-under USA team. Back then, the training facility was in Tucson, Arizona, so I had to fly all the way across the country. And then in college, I made the college uh, USA team my, my sophomore year, the, the collegiate national team. And that was the last year of training at High Corbett Field in Tucson, Arizona. So in 2003, they moved the headquarters to Cary and built it literally in my backyard right where I grew up. Um, so when I retired from the big leagues, I went and coached with the 15 under USA national team, and it was located in Cary. So that was the first time I got to go back there and see it all. But it's a really cool trip for me personally because I get to go home. My, my, my high school is like five minutes away. All of my buddies that I grew up with live there. I got family that still lives there. So it's a homecoming in a way for me. Um, the ballpark's cool. It's a great ballpark. They, they've done a ton of renovations. They built a big indoor facility to it. Um, you know, the fans, it, it doesn't maybe sell or, or do as well as obviously the Division One World Series, but we do a good job. They, they had a lot of fans there last year, especially North Greenville fans because it's local for us and our guys can uh, – our people can get there easily. And, uh, and then I had a lot of family and friends from the area that came. So um, they do a great job. We play every other day. It's the exact same format as Omaha. Same schedule, double elimination, eighteen tournament with off days in between. Um, they have all the practice that they have. Uh, they have the stadium field, then they have three um, full size practice fields. So on our off days, we get to hit BP and do all of our practice and stuff on the backfields and stay sharp. So it's a great event. We had a lot of fun last year, and um, you know I'm just excited to go back and and be home around some some old familiar faces and family, and hopefully we can win four more games like we did last year and do it again. It's a 6 o'clock or scheduled 6 o'clock first pitch on Sunday evening, North Greenville and the pride of South Dakota. It is Augustana, right? Augustana? Yeah, Augustana, yeah. Okay. And that follows Angelo State and Southern New Hampshire. And then on uh, Saturday, you've got uh, Rollins and Cal State, San Bernardino, Millersville, and wait, who's Millersville playing? What's it, UND? They're playing UND. UND, yeah. who's like the Cinderella story. They were the... They were the last team to get into their regional. They're like the, they're like the two lane of D two baseball. Two lane getting into the tournament with forty losses is just unreal. 
Mm-hmm. So you uh, Indy is kind of that for for our D two World Series. The, those are the teams that are scary this time of the Emmys are hot. Uh, so we'll see. Well, y'all are gonna win it. That's uh, we've already we Phil show them our ten thousand dollar bill that we've uh, put <laughs> down on North Greenville to to win the twenty twenty three D two national championship back to back. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Slapping that one right down. Put it in the window. Ten grand. Put it in the window. Ten grand land. Who's whose face is that on there? Is that who's who's Salmon P Chase. Oh. Salmon P Chase. (laughs) Is that where Chase Bank got the name? It may very well be actually. (laughs) Yeah, it was Lincoln's uh I think Secretary of Treasury, if I if okay. I remember correctly. So, by the, I I did the quick math uh, during uh, the segment there while Landon was talking. Messina is the fourth catcher in Gamecock history to be named first team All SEC as a as a catcher. Uh, this guy though is the only one to ever do it twice. So, if Cole wants to join that company, he's going to have to win it again at some point in time in the next year or two. Uh, but well, he's he only has, a sophomore, right? So he's got a great shot at doing that. Well, and I, I did he. Was last year? Wasn't last year still part of the COVID stuff? Or am I wrong on that? No, yeah, yeah. No, 20, yeah, 20, so last year was twenty two. So twenty one would have been the COVID waiver stuff, uh, maybe okay. possibly. But he he's a saw. I think he's a true sophomore. So he he's, he, he, he's gotten yeah, better he's got as the years, years gone on. Landon. Yeah, he's definitely he's, he's a great player. I I liked him in high school and thought he he had that that it factor. He's got that edge to him. You know, he, yeah. he definitely is talented, but he's got that winner's mentality. He's very competitive in everything he does. So that's what stood out to me about him when I saw him in high school. I agree. I agree. I do miss the days of the catchers like you who, you know, you just catch strike three, roll it back to the mound and jog off the field because, you know, you still got a game to play. Uh, but that's where we are in baseball. So it is what it is. Well, look, man, uh, thank you very much. I know last time you were part of the Born to Crow series, and today we wanted to focus a little bit more on the Crusaders and y'all's run to hopefully a second consecutive World Series. Um, really appreciate you making it. You look sharp. You get, what do you, you got going on today? You got like a press conference or something? I've just been doing some stuff, yeah, just just office. I'm getting ready to get out and practice. My guys are out on the field right now, so I'm, I'm itching to get out there okay. with them. So I'm, I'm sitting up here in the in the press box. You can actually see our, our guys yeah. out there on the field yeah. getting going. So. About so time for I, me to get out there and join them. So, what's Dyson doing out there? Uh, he's probably he's at shortstop right now, walking <laughs> around with his phone. He's probably making some kind of Twitter video, or um, or maybe like teaching them like lyrics to DMX songs. I don't know. <laughs> well, hey, go get them, man. Hopefully, this is a great weekend and week coming up for your guys, and and of course, hopefully, it's a great weekend for Gamecock baseball. Thank you so much for making more time than we scheduled you for once again. All right, appreciate it, guys. Uh, good luck, and uh, let's hope the Gamecocks win another regional in Columbia and continue on. I, I'd love to see it as much as I know you guys would. No doubt, no doubt. Thanks, Landon. Go All get right, him. take care. There you yes, go, sir. Landon Powell, head baseball coach at uh, North Greenville University, where this weekend they are looking to defend their national championship. Wow. National Man. championship. Landon, the I I'm trying to think. I, I didn't want to ask him this. I'm trying to think. North Greenville. My buddy Skipper went to North Greenville, played tennis there back in the '90s. Met his ex-wife there. Actually, she was a soccer softball player. Oh, I'm trying to think if they've ever been good at anything. I know Jamie Chadwell coached there in football and was good. Well, Have they ever been good at anything until baseball? 
I don't know, but not that I know. I know. Baseball really there. has been like the biggest thing coming out of there, if if I remember yeah. correctly. Because yeah. I I know it used to be like you had to go through the wilderness to get there, but they've developed that part of like it's like the ass end of Greer toward Tigerville. It, it is He's Tigerville. Got, the butt of Greer to get there and uh, the Blue Ridge area and all that, but it, it's grown now. So it's, it's heavily populated in Greenville County, but uh, yeah, you used to be able I to drive by it and not really notice it, but now it just opens up once yeah. you get to that, you know, flashing light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I was just thinking, I think this is the, like the, the, the glory years of North Greenville college athletics or North, I'm sorry, North Greenville university athletics. Cause they, they've never been good in basketball to my knowledge. Football, they were okay when Chadwell was there. Well, maybe they're they the best D two baseball point. program in the country. I so. know. So that's a, this is like a, he's a crusader for Crusader athletics. Yeah, you talk about a about a guy that used the quote unquote transfer portal. Uh, yeah, Landon Powell yeah. has done that as well as anybody out there. Uh, always yeah. has guys uh, from uh, filling gaps from all over the place. He mentioned Jalen and. Of course, his coaching staff has Trey on it, Trey Dyson and Matt Williams, They're both former Gamecocks. But all right, end of the hour, we are headed for a break. An hour to go, plenty of football to get into as well. Hope you all enjoyed that. If you can, make sure you pull up the games this weekend while you're watching South Carolina and pull those Crusaders through. And Landon Powell and his group looking to defend their national championship. We are teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. Play golf all over the Carolinas, $95 a month. That's a round of golf at most of these golf courses. You pay that once, and then it's about 20 bucks from here on out. It is awesome. It's the coolest club in the Carolinas, and I'm honored to be a member of it as well. Michael Manis, the owner, is a Gamecock alumni, and as all of our partners are, they are Gamecock-owned. And Gamecock operated. TravelingCountryClub.com. Play golf wherever you travel this summer with TravelingCountryClub.com. Hang tight inside the Gamecocks, the show. We'll be right back. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a karaoke partner, I can tell you, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But what I do have is a very specific set of skills. Hang up now and your IT nightmares will continue. But stay on the line. And I will find you. And when I find you, I will fix it. Um, thanks. Uh, I think I have the wrong number. I'm trying to call Matt at Heritage Digital. He has a one-price, low-cost turnkey solution for all my IT needs. And I'm sick and tired of my IT guy. So, yeah, 843-699-1001. This is 1002. Oh, well, thanks anyway. Don't be taken by some IT dude that talks a big game. Give Matt at Heritage Digital a call, 843-699-1001. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. (laughs) 
Hey Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show Garnet and Black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox! You heard Evan Stone Gamecock fans 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the low country. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everyone, this is Jack Mahoney from Gamecock Baseball, and inside the Gamecocks, the show is teed up every day by travelingcountryclub.com. So if you all love golf, make sure you guys go check out their awesome membership options, and go Cox. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. In July, we're excited to bring to you the third annual Plunder on Polly's two-day golf tournament with rounds played at Caledonia and True Blue Golf Courses in the heart of Polly's Island. Head to TravelingCountryClub.com to register for that event. And it is not exclusive to TCC members, but to become one, you can sign up and bring to life your golf game. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Zachary Davis from Carolina Hoops, and you're watching the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. Welcome back, everybody, inside the Gamecocks, the show, hour number two, kicking off here. I was trying to kind of verify what some of the guys in the chat box have beat me to on what North Green Bulls, <laughs> you know, biggest accomplishments were. They did win Division Two titles yeah. uh, in football. And then, uh, but one thing that stood out to me was their enrollment. How, how What do you think the enrollment at North Greenville University is? Oh, it's... A thousand? 
Oh, it's a little better than that. Twenty five hundred. Okay. Yeah, I knew it was small. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe that. I was like, well, I yeah, it was more. Yeah, it's, I knew it was small. Well, and like Landon has, um, you know, he's been courted to go do some other things, but you know, he's he's chosen to stay there. That's the path he's chosen, and <clears throat> he's very comfortable, you know, being up there. He uh, he likes it. I know Allison likes it. His wife so. Uh, they uh they have turned that. I mean that North Greenville team can beat a lot of teams that are not in D two. You know, a lot of D one programs. They, that, they I'm do. glad you said that because I've got uh, that was one of the questions running through my head. Is you know okay, drop this team in one of the regions that are about to kick off in Division One. Successful? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they could. I mean, I think they would hold their own. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. So a team like that, like they're going to be, they'll, they'll probably be able to swing it. I mean, but I don't know that, um, that they would have the pitching, you know, I don't know if they'd have the arms. Yeah. That would be my only question yeah. too, would be, could they, could they trot out enough <laughs> you know, right. starters? You know, you could probably get that one guy in there, you know, put your best one up on day one and, and maybe steal one. And then, but beyond that, you know, just, are you, are you deep enough? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I, uh, yeah, um, I, I think they would, they, they'd hold their own. They'd hold their own. We'll put oh, it that yeah. way. Uh, Hayne asked, does the 10 run rule apply, uh, in the regional supers and the world series? I, so this was, um, I think it does. Um, I read no, cause I think it was just an SEC rule. Oh, well, it was an SEC. So in the regular season, conferences can, can go by what they, you know, yeah. choose to go by. But I think um, on our Florida site, they were clarifying that they said, "Okay, so the, our Florida guy was like, there's no, there's no ten run rule." Okay, all right, because there, there, there was, there has not been. I knew that, but there, yeah. they had been, and I haven't even thought about it until Hayden just asked that question. There had been discussion of whether to implement that uh, in postseason play for a couple of reasons, clearly. Uh, one would be the reason of time, but um, so I haven't even thought about it. So I just saw that question asked. So you've answered it. There you go. So there will be no ten run rule. You'll play the game, which is fine with me. I'd rather rather than play the game. Period. Yeah. I hate the ten run rule. I don't like it at, at all. At all, it's not baseball. I can't stand it. I think it's a joke. I don't like seven inning double headers either. No, I can't. I, I was either. just about to say that, JC. I can't stand that either. No, yeah, and I've that's never... worked both for the Gamecocks and against the. I mean, the, the, the run rule and all that. That's worked. It has nothing to do with the Gamecocks. I mean, it's worked for and against them. Um, right. It. Uh, you know, Georgia. Well, Georgia was two ten run rule. They run ruled Georgia twice. Well, they had their number this year, right? <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it was great to talk to Landon Powell. No, I missed the last one, but I listened to I listened to all of that interview and it good to interact with him and, and and really good. I remember that Miami game because boy, oh yeah, heading into that ninth inning, man, it was like, and uh, that's why I asked about the crowd at the Sarge because I know me in my car 
sweating in the night because you know the games weren't on TV then until you got to Omaha. So I'd listen to Mike call the game, Mike Morgan, and uh, I was just like, "Oh my God!" You know, and they're going to get bounced out again. And man, they've been so close. And then boom, it happened. They went to Omaha, like he said. They got smoked by Georgia Tech in the first game. Came back, beat Nebraska in front of about ten thousand Huskers in that stadium uh, oh, yeah. in Omaha. No, there was uh, more beat, than that. <laughs> then whipped Georgia Tech the second time they played them, like fifteen six. Yeah, probably like twenty. Honestly, it's a sea of red. And then there's those two little games against a little, a little school called Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the best Clemson team Jack Leggett could ever have hoped to have had. The Gamecocks put them out twelve to four. And the next day, put them out 10 to 2. Played Texas for the national championship the next day. Lost 12 well, to 6, but I'm convinced Jerome Peters was about a half inch off a, fa- a fastball from Hudson Street. It was 8 6. Carolina, I think, had the bases loaded. Red does not like this memory at all, um, by the way. And um, boy, if he'd have gotten a hold of it, man, that, it may have been a different ball game. And you're right, best of three, who knows what would have happened. Yeah, I think that – I mean, you mentioned Houston Street, and he was – because Rawl, Rawl started that game. And Carolina was just – I mean, Aaron turned out to be spectacular. But, you know, Carolina was just down to where they, they had they had guys who they just couldn't just couldn't throw. I mean, they were waiting, and they were ready. Um, but, you know, by the time that, that thing had gotten a little bit out of hand – you know, you weren't even going to try to plug one of those guys in to play for the next day. There was no point. I mean, they're going to have to score more runs. Had it been set up to where you, you went one more day, gosh, who was next in line to come back out? I can't remember if that was Bondo or Soup or one of those guys was was yeah, set to Matt go. was on that team. Matt was a Matt and Raw were both freshmen on that team, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was their freshman year. That was Bondo's senior year. And he had just pitched against – well, no, he had just shut it down against Clemson. So, it wasn't Bondo that was ready to go. It, I can't remember who it was. But um, but the way that the pitching was set up, it just happened to favor uh, Texas. And and back then, too, like, aside from that, it's still ridiculous to think that the College World Series was decided by one game. Like, you played all year long in series to get there. And then you decide the championship on one game? Like that didn't make any sense. Yeah. So I mean you play series and then you get into a regional, and that's basically winning a series, three out of four essentially. Or four out of five if you lose one. But and then you go to a super, well that's winning a series. And then you go to Omaha and to get out of your side of the bracket, that's winning a series. And then getting to the championship game. It's just winner take all. Like didn't that was a CBS thing because remember uh, they would go ESPN would have the whole tournament and then CBS would have the championship game. And yeah. I think they they just wanted a championship game to televise. Um, That's why they don't have the sport it. went along with it. Well, then then ESPN got the whole thing and they went to best of three championship series, which I I've always liked a lot better. You know, win, lose, or draw for Carolina, I, I like I like it a lot better for everybody. So. Um, you know, no. it, uh, it's, it's served the sport well, I think, to have a best of three. 
No, it's yeah, it's a college world series is as neat of an event as as you can offer in America. It really is. I mean, some people undersell that. That's because they've never been. You know, you, you go and you see it, and you're sitting here going, "Wow, this is just just really something." So, uh, thanks for again, Landon, for 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 joining us, and and hopefully, he gave South Carolina a little bit of good luck to make their way. Uh, back to Omaha. They'll have to get through the regional, and then we'll see from there. More than likely, go to Gainesville and take two of three from the Gators if they'd like to <clears throat> to step back on the the grounds of the sacred grounds of, uh, of TD, Ameritrade uh, T- TD Ameritrade Park. Park. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 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 Quantrell asked about this Arkansas schedule. Can you remind me, like, what it what it's about, Quantrell? Yeah, I so, looked it up. I didn't see anything. Oh, what's going on out there? Yeah, all right. So the the Renfro the, the Renfro kid, the backup quarterback who had initially transferred in from uh, Ole Miss, has been dismissed from the team. But a lot of this stuff has actually been taken down uh, from social media as well. I'm not discounting anything. I'm just saying a lot of the information that was out there was taken down. That there is a large number of females. I think it's into the teens now who have uh, basically uh, accused him of uh, pretty bad stuff. And if you go kind of Google through it, there are some saved screenshots. I think you can probably find some of those on Twitter. Uh, some of the correspondence between certain females, I, I don't know who any of them are, of course, but um, females whom have responded back and forth via text message and things of that nature. And then they screenshotted these messages onto a, uh, like an Instagram type feed. Um, and, um, and uh, basically exposing this young man of some of the, really awful stuff that he did if what he did was true. So, um, but Arkansas didn't just suspend the guy. They, 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 he's out. He's gone. So, obviously, it's, it does seem like there are legs to at least some of this. If if any portion of it is true, it's, it's absolutely awful. If all of it's true, it's, you know, you just think about how bad that could be. So, um yeah, I mean, I, I guess like, and I after Quantrell mentioned that yesterday, I've kind of, kind of started doing a little bit of research because people were questioning or wondering, you know, it's just going to fall back on, on, the coaching staff, Coach Pittman, and 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 you know, should the end of the road be near for them? Did they, did they look past this when they acquired him from Ole Miss or acquired him out of the transfer portal? Was there a reason he was? So there's a lot of digging going on, JC. Yeah, well, you, you know, know where he's from. He's from Stephenville, Texas, and right. you know who recruited him to Arkansas? Kendall Browles. Kendall Browles, yeah. So K- that's Kate K- Renfro, I think is his name. Yeah, the name association there is is not a good look. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely uh, going against the you. subject matter. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. yeah, it's terrible. I mean, look at some of that. Look, I, that to me, it. It, it, you know, just looking at it, this type of stuff is to the point where I don't think it's like people that have been scorned, right? Because sometimes nowadays you have to be careful. You know, there, there's there's the truth and then there's one person's truth and then there's another person's truth. And, you know, the individual truths sometimes are lies or, or at least skewed to the point where, you know, they're not actionable uh, actual anything. Jan reminds me, it's Charles Schwabfield now, no longer TD Ameritrade. Oh, Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Thanks. 
Well, is, that's fine. Whatever. I can't call SunTrust Park Truist Park. It's taking me a while. Um, <laughs> and and so, you know, I, I think with, with all of this stuff, you have to be careful because I think in society today, especially on college campuses, there's no due process with any of this stuff. But this, to me, I would be highly surprised if this were just a bunch of people out to get this guy uh, making stuff up just because they're just, it's just awful. I mean, it, it, you know, people, no, yeah. and somebody would have to be, uh, there would have to be a gaggle of sick individuals in the head to, uh, for this to not, you know, have some legs. So Arkansas kicked him off. Uh, he's gone. So I, I think they're probably, will wash their hands of it, and they have to blame somebody. They'll probably blame Kendall Browse, who is an easy target because of what happened at Baylor. Right or wrong, right or wrong. I'm just saying that's probably how they'll handle it, is my opinion. I mean, I don't think this kid was going to play very much anyway. Uh, I'd never really heard of him. Uh, so uh, uh, it's just an unfortunate situation uh, right there. But I don't think Arkansas – is going to well, suffer. Clint, Clint mentions Braylon Russell. I don't think Braylon Russell's not going to Arkansas because of this. No. Well, and and they're again. I don't know if any. We're. I hate speaking on rumor, especially with stuff yeah. like this. Like I, I despise these type conversations because you don't know what is true and what isn't true. And, um, but you know, according to, what we'll we will call rumor. Uh, until it is further verified by somebody out there, you know some of what has happened in the past is that the uh, family of this young man somehow got involved, and you know I, I guess maybe I don't know I don't I don't know paid off would be the right term, but um, you know essentially had had some signed agreement stating, hey, look, you know we we know what you're after. Here's what we're going to do. Let's just let's just not talk about this. Um, but since he's been in Arkansas, other things have happened, which has led to you know this kind of resurfacing itself. So we'll just have to see where it goes from there. I mean, I'm I'm not you know the 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 message board Twitter fodder of things and Quantro. By the way, I'm not uh, I'm not talking about you at all. Um, uh, the message board Twitter fodder things they they immediately want to just cut the head of the snake off. Oh, this is the downfall of Sam Pittman. Well, I mean, we don't even know what's going on here. And more than likely it's not because, you know, it's, it's no coach out there is going to sign some kid who's accused of raping 13 women or something ridiculous like that. Um, you, you can't do it and you can't even keep that quiet. So, you know, if it, if they made an error by overlooking something, yeah, then somebody's going to have to be held accountable. But um, if they just look past something, somebody's got to be held accountable. If there was nothing to look past or look into because it was signed, sealed, and delivered into outer space and you wouldn't find it if you were searching for it, I don't really know what you can do about that uh, unless there, you know, unless things come up and you just look the other way. So, um, Leave that there. I do have a uh, – uh, you guys go to our Twitter account, at Gamecock Show. I just retweeted Vanderbilt. Is upgrading Hawkins Field. Thank God. Yeah, uh, it looks really nice. Very creative. Um, looks a lot like some of the renderings I see of the. Speaking of Las Vegas, we talked about Las Vegas earlier. The new A's ballpark that they're going to build where the Tropicana um, is and is going to be torn down soon. R.I.P. Tropicana. I've I've had many a good time there, 
but um, it, uh, it Vanderbilt's design looks really, really sharp. Uh, you know, somebody on Twitter mentioned that it's sort of landlocked. There's not much you could do with it, but they're they're really maximizing that facility. They got this nice little home run deck out in the outfield. Uh, it looks pretty cool. So go go check it out. Those of you that love baseball on our Twitter at Gamecock Show. Yeah, well, and you know, Vanderbilt um, probably long overdue because they are one of the premier programs in in college baseball, and I just pulled it up. I, I knew this was coming. We've seen the rumors of it in the past, mm-hmm. but I've, of course, never uh, <clears throat> seen any renderings. And now you look at it and you see what they've kind of come up with here as to how they're going to squeeze in renovations into that tiny little spot they've got out there. And it does make sense. Boy, some architect really got creative with this. Uh, you know, Landon mentioned fields like the Sarge where it felt like, you know, they were right on top of you. Uh, this is exactly what that's going to feel like is they're right on top of you the whole time because uh, they are pretty much right on top of you already. And now they're going to go literally straight up. I mean, like one in two rows of, of seats. Uh, so for a place that already has – money to just basically make up all the the ground with the idiotic 11.7 scholarship dilemma we've got in college baseball uh they they will get richer with this no question no question about it all the thing i like about this is all these artist renderings actually show real grass and dirt (laughs) yeah well that's not that won't happen yeah but that's not gonna happen happen. (laughs) that's not gonna happen yeah no that's i kind of like i kind of like it yes it's kind of cool they uh vandy's really not known for cutting edge facilities this will be probably the nicest thing they have up there i mean well they're working they're they're upgrading the football stadium right now i know but and about moving seats to uh, appear as if it well, were. Packed. I mean, and honestly, like think about this for a sec. Like, really think. I mean, how how bad has the leadership been at Vanderbilt? I mean, it's been uh, horrible. I mean, it's it is great. It's I mean, like it's, you can be, people can use the academic all, stuff all they want to. That's bullcrap. I mean, that's 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 ridiculous. Vanderbilt can get players. Uh, you're in Nashville. That's like Georgia Tech. I can't figure out how Georgia Tech just sucks at everything. They hired Bobby Johnson. I mean, sorry, Paul Johnson, not Bobby. If they hired Bobby Johnson, they'd be winning. Yeah, it might have worked out better. Well, Vanderbilt they, hired they Bobby a, Johnson. Yeah. If, if Georgia like Tech Johnson, took a gamble and they said, you know, because, look, Chan Gailey recruit, was starting to recruit well. He was winning seven or eight games. They took a gamble and said, all right, we're going to hire Paul Johnson, old Georgia boy, and, you know, maybe he, with his style of play, could get us over the top. And if you notice, the first year he was there, they when they beat Clemson in the in that CJ Spiller team in '09, man, you had Josh Nesbitt at quarterback, you had Jonathan Dwyer at running back, you had Morgan Burnett at safety, all future NFL guys that Chan Gailey had recruited. Well, what they didn't realize was it's tough enough to recruit to Tech, <laughs> and Paul Johnson doesn't like to recruit, so. They had a competitive team for the eight to ten years he was there. But meanwhile, they put together a Southern Conference roster. It would be similar to where if, like, Wofford were in the ACC during this time. And so then once he's gone and the option's gone, you're in a hole. And not only that, their fans got sick of it. I mean, it was just like, all right, we're going to go out and win our six to nine games. That's great. We're never going to get into the playoff. We're never. Clemson's got our number now. After giving Clemson total hell for a few years, Venables figured out their offense, and they didn't cross the 50 hardly against them. 
They weren't competitive. And, and now they're just in a hole. You know, basketball, it's just been a series of, of, of terrible hires since Bobby Crimmins. I mean, Paul Hewitt had that one year we had Chris Bosch and they played for the national title, but they just haven't hired anybody good or given people a, sh- a chance to, to get through. And Georgia Tech should be a great basketball job, but it's not. They built a new arena that's kind of not as cool. Um, you know, their baseball program remains okay, but, you know, it, it's just – yeah, and you're right. It's baffling they suck at everything. Vanderbilt's been full of excuses and just weird leadership that doesn't fit into the SEC at all. I think they like the money. That's why they're staying. But you compare their athletic department to a Stanford or a Northwestern or even a Duke that, you know, those schools have similar academics, if not better, and they try. You know, Duke tries. Duke tries at football. They won nine games last year. You know, Northwestern won, you know, Two, two out of three division titles in the Big Ten and build a multi-million dollar lakefront practice facility. Okay, Stanford has won championships. You know, what, what, what has Vanderbilt done besides, you know, figure out a way to get around the rules in baseball uh, and win in that sport? So, yeah, I, I think this, just to, not to talk about Vandy this whole show, but I think this kind of thing, though, shows some creativity, uh, I'm curious, having lived in Nashville, and I'm very familiar with all their facilities, curious to see what they do with their other facilities, Uh, maybe their basketball arena, although that's kind of a a home court kind of deal for them. Um, Because Vanderbilt really, in in football, it's always going to be a struggle, but, you know, baseball, basketball, golf, tennis, the other sports, there's no reason why Vanderbilt can't compete in the SEC. None. There's absolutely no reason because other schools – with similar profiles in those sports do compete at the highest level of the country. So um, I'm not saying I hope they get it together because they're in Carolina's conference, but uh, uh, I think this is a good first start if I'm just looking at it neutrally. Certainly have gotten it together in baseball, at least since Tim Corbin arrived. He he brought that Jack Leggett, go recruit the Northeast and sign the best players you can from up there because they all want to get the hell out of there and play somewhere a little bit warmer. And it worked. That translated into recruiting the whole country, and now Vanderbilt every year is uh, one of the one of the top ten programs in college baseball. But um, their facilities have been lacking. No more, it appears, in baseball at least. All right, um, it is twelve thirty one. Signorama is the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics. When you walk through the gates of Founders Park this weekend for Carolina's regional, you'll see why. Their stuff is everywhere. Banners and lit up signs, all kinds of stuff. Everything you see, it's there. If you need a vehicle wrapped or maybe you need signs for like graduation, they'll make those. Banners, whatever it is. You got a business, you need to do sign out in front of it. You just want them to maybe quote you. Make sure you call Matt Vaughn's team in West Columbia. Signorama.com. You can find all of their information there. Signorama, West Columbia, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics. They do a lot for us. The number is on the screen, 803-407-9284. We are proud partners with them, and they are proud partners with the Gamecocks. We will step aside for a quick timeout. Lenora Sellers turning heads, according to a report by Tony Morell this morning on thebigspur.com. We'll see what JC's hearing and more right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. 
If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Fossil, Caldwell, Banker, Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. This is Coleman from the Yardcocks. Electric bikes at Charleston Powers inside the Gamecocks, the show. Be sure to check them out online or in Mount Pleasant. Go Gamecocks. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Let's see, still in the second hour. Congratulations, of course, to Jerry Myers, Middle Tennessee State University. They removed the interim tag and named him the full-time head coach. One of the great guys in baseball. One of the nicest guys, hell of a pitching coach, and another former Gamecock assistant, now the head coach up there. Kevin Nichols, also an assistant coach. Uh, with him, who was with Coach Holbrook at the college, and then went up there with Toman. And um, hats off to Coach Myers; he's 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 outstanding. So they're gonna they're gonna win big with him at Middle Tennessee State, and hopefully they're uh, one of the mid majors that gets to host one day. Uh, he's a guy that has certainly earned earned his stripes. So hats off to him, uh, JC. This morning, uh, Coach Mott, Coach. This morning, Tony Morrell, uh, in uh, a, a column on the Big Spur, one of the early morning team scoop type reads, if you will, uh, mentioned some of what he has heard on Lenore Sellers of late has been pretty exciting stuff. 
to the point that Lenora Sellers might have a little bit more of a role in the 2023 football season than maybe some of us or many of us are predicting here as we head into the summer. Yeah, I had an article out the other day with uh, all the freshmen. Well, I mean, I guess the, the first year guys is what I call them. The JUCO, I mean, there's one JUCO, Elijah Davis, I included in the article. But the, the guys that they got, you know, not from the portal. Uh, are they going to play, in a red shirt, or are they going to be the two deep? And I said Sellers is going to play, and I think he will. Um, will he be? Will it be a situation where there's a lot of close games and you don't take Spencer off the field because you just don't take Spencer off the field? And so he plays like Luke Doty did last year in, in four. Um, I, I don't think that if something happened to Spencer Rattler, you know, Assuming he had started and played most of the snaps, I, I think Luke Doty's your backup. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying Spent uh, Lenore's is going to be number two. Now, do I think that they can find spots to get him in the game here and there? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I think he, he may just be one of those guys that you, you know, you, you, you got to got to put on, got to get him on the field somehow because he can help you. Um, in every recruiting class, almost. There are guys, and and I want to I want to clarify this because I got into a, a debate with someone on, on the Big Spur about this today, you know, and and sometimes fans will say this. I don't want to hear about the hype, and you know, blah 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 blah. Let's just don't hype him. Don't. Um, okay, so here's the difference between hype and and the category sellers is in, right? So, and, and this guy mentioned everybody thought Stephen Garcia and. Derek Watson and Demetrius Summers were going to be the saviors of the program. I was like, first and foremost, I don't know why you're bringing those three guys specifically up unless you think Sellers is going to have, you know, some off the field challenges, which he's a straight A honor student. And, uh, you know, from all intents and purposes, you know, uh, not, not one that they're worried about, you know, getting in any kind of trouble. But anyway, I was like, secondly, you know, Steven had a great career at South. He's one of the most accomplished quarterbacks in program history, period. You can't argue with that. Those are facts. Carolina doesn't win eight games in 2000 if Derek Watson's not there. I guarantee you that. <laughs> 22 was, you know, basically that offense that season. Um, So you shouldn't trash those guys, first for us. But then secondly, those guys were all big-time recruits that when they committed, everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, kind of like a, like a clowny or a – or Nick Harbor, uh, or even when they got Jake Bentley, you know, or, or and, and I know I, I I said I made some declarations about Jake that didn't turn out to be quite true, but he still was a hell of a quarterback. Um, you know, when they got Lattimore, that kind of thing. So, so those are those. That's one type of of, of recruit. Jarvis, you want to take it the other direction? Jarvis Giles, you know, is was one of those guys. Jonathan Hanna was would be one of those guys. Um, name your guy, you know, that it just didn't work out with, um, that were, everybody was really excited when you got him as a recruit. Okay. So moving forward, <laughs> then there are guys that when they get there, everybody starts talking about, and, and they're not necessarily the guys that the recruiting analyst hype, they're not necessarily the guys everybody jumps off a building for when they, they commit. Um, and here, who, here's who, here, here are guys that have fallen into that category. At Carolina, Captain Munnerlin, 
Eric Norwood, uh, Pat DeMarco, right? <laughs> Kenny McKinley fell into that category. Uh, I'm trying to take it on. Kenny Miles was the guy everybody was really impressed with when he got there. Uh, Travell Wharton was a guy everybody was impressed with when he got there. He started from his freshman year on. Coach Simpson was a guy like that from back in the day. Uh, continuing forward through the Spurrier era, DJ Swearinger was a guy like that. Uh, you keep going in the Muschamp era. Uh, J.C. Horn was that guy that summer everybody talked about. J.C. Horn, wow. Uh, before that, I think in Muschamp's first year, is probably Brian Edwards. Very productive. Okay, these are the guys that if everybody's talking about them, you better listen because chances are, I've ne- this is not the spring game hero. This is not the Taki Muhammad Award. This is not the recruiting hype guy, five-star, that expectations are through the roof. This is the guy that when he gets there, universally everybody's going, wow, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what category sellers is in. It, it, just like J.C. Horn, I'll give you an example. The guy from last year's class that everybody was talking about was Nick Emanore. Right. Right. Once he got here. Uh, and so I wanted to clarify that. And that that's where that's coming from. Um, so uh, that's uh, that's the deal there uh, with, with that. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because Tony mentioned it. Then Brad Crawford had. I mean, I don't know. See, uh, I guess he thought he enough of the intel he'd gotten on sellers to go through. And when he listed one good thing about every team, he mentioned sellers. That's really not probably not relevant to this year's team completely, but you do have to wonder, you know, if he's going to play. And I, I think I think it's uh, it's reason to be excited, you know, down the stretch. Gamecock fans says, "How about Melvin Ingram?" I loved Melvin Ingram's film out of high school. I loved it when they got him, but Melvin spent two years at linebacker and didn't play anything right. with spe- special teams and hardly played that. So it wasn't mm-hmm. Melvin. Uh, what that wasn't that was a different path. There's always that freshman, you know, or most years there's that freshman that, and it's not even the guy when you when when JC Sherbert or somebody goes to make a list of who are the top guys in this class. Not necessarily the guy that we put at the top. It's a it's a guy that probably doesn't come out of nowhere, but you're like, man, I, I can't, I don't. He's this good, this fast. And that's uh, that was the J.C. Horns of the world. The Jamie Robinson. Jamie Robinson was kind of like that. Uh, like I mentioned, Brian Edwards. You know, th- those types of guys. And, you know, those guys typically play, play, you know, maybe they don't get to the NFL, but they t- typically play multiple years and play at a high level uh, when you get this kind of feedback this early. So I wanted to make sure everybody knows that's where the, all that's coming from. It's not – you know, your typical, oh, my God, in our opinion, he's going to be great. This is based on the tangible feedback that, you know, we've gotten on players that have been pretty damn good over the years. So I think, too, like to to bring some <clears throat> uh, humility is not the word, but maybe um, ground the conversation a little bit, JC, is to, is to give it like an, some real life as to – Okay, we cut the we cut the TV on in September, and we know that this young man has been talked about for the last at that point in time, pretty much six months or so. So, what are we expecting to see? 
you know, to, to kind of level out those expectations. Of course, none of us have the, the answer. Um, but I think one of the, one of the best ways to describe, or, or at least to help have this conversation as to what his role will be beginning his career at South Carolina is to also lump in Dow Loggins, because again, this is just, you know, this is just my feedback on it. And it's not necessarily specific to Lenora Sellers. It is more specific to Dow Loggins and his understanding of players and at what level he has those players, whether it's in the NFL or whether it's in college football and what they can and can't do. And so I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to get at here, what I'm gathering in my mind is I envision Coach Loggins taking this kid and not just saying, okay, as talented as he is, he's a red shirt. Of course, you can play four games and still red shirt, but he's a red shirt. Just, just throw that in the red shirt column. Uh, if we can get him some time, that's fine. We'll get him some time. I don't really anticipate that at all. I actually, if, if he can really play, I, I foresee Dowell Loggins making a very small, exclusive, not playbook, but corner of the playbook for where this kid can be plugged in into a competitive situation to see how he will respond while it also is initially at least not a situation that could harm the football team, maybe as in like, you know, blowing the game. Like they're not going to plug him in to be a wildcat quarterback, for instance, like we've seen with the carry on Joyner and other QBs over the years in the fourth quarter when it's third down and one and everybody knows he's running and coming onto the field to run the football two yards to pick up a first down, right? Like what, I, what I'm saying here is I envision a guy who understands like this would be a good spot to put him in and allow him to do something that he is good at in a competitive type situation where he can succeed and slowly kind of build his in-game confidence and build his confidence as a football player early on in his career at South Carolina. At the same time, it's actually helping the football team in the moment, in the game, in the season. Does it, does all that make sense to you instead of just kind of wasting plays just to get him in there? Oh, yeah, it'll have a purpose. I mean, everything has a purpose. Right. Hugh Freeze, one year at Ole Miss, I think it's one of those years he had Chad Swag Kelly. Or maybe it was Bo Wallace. It was one of those guys. Um, he used like – he had Bo or Chad, one of those guys. They had this big old kid from uh, East Mississippi Junior College, and they got in there as a DN, but he had played quarterback for his junior college. Yeah. Uh, and they'd throw him in in the Wildcats some. Uh, and then they'd throw another guy. Uh, I think uh, – was it Dexter McCluster? Was McCluster still there? I'm not sure if McCluster was still there. But it was – some little guy like that. I mean, so, you know, and with to carry on Joyner being a full-time running back, you know, there's probably a more of a space for a change of pace guy to take snaps or something. Um, but, you know, at, at the same time, it's, it's, it's you know, I, I think that if you look at this team, you, you know, you, you want to bring – when you're in the red zone with this team this year, I, I don't. I don't think this team's going to struggle to get into the red zone. But if you do happen to struggle with your run game, uh, and that field gets shorter, it's tough. I think the game guys got a good enough set of tight ends to be pretty good in the red zone throwing the ball. <coughs> Excuse me, but you're going to have to run it. 
And I can envision, you know, people, people talked about Tebow, his freshman year at Florida and kind of when Dan Mullen and Urban Meyer, they put him in when they got inside the 10 to hammer at home. Uh, is Lenora Sellers capable of beating that hammer? Yes, but he's also probably a much more capable passer than Tebow was as a freshman. So you can give him the entire playbook and just kind of throw it out there. But, you know, a guy that's 6'3", 235, running student body right out of the shotgun um, with a couple of lead blockers out there uh, in, a, in a red zone play, that's a pretty daggum salty, uh, salty play. You know, when you're talking about uh, red zone football and stuff, and I, I'd, so I'd, I would think that there's probably going to be some use for him, uh, not necessarily in that manner, but uh, like you said, a little corner of the playbook for him uh, to get going. Um, you know, and, and look, it may be, it may end up being that, you know, it's never time to take Spencer off the field, right? Uh, that happens sometimes, but yeah, you know, Spencer sometimes last year toward the end, uh, he was at his best when they did mix it up and put to carry on back there. Some a lot of people forget yeah. what Joyner did in the Tennessee game at quarterback early on. I mean, he Clemson game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they, and then I hated that play early because it made no sense whenever they would run it. It didn't make any sense, but then, uh, as a lot of things started to kind of make sense, that started making sense. Uh, and because they finally let Jordan throw it against Vandy and Juice Wells had what it, on a busted play, like a 80 yard, 70 yard touchdown. Um, so they finally let him throw it. And then all of a sudden, team sort kind of sort of started to freak out a little bit when DeCarrion came in. Uh, and I thought they used him uh, those last three games masterfully. So, uh, you know. Can sellers do that type of thing? I I, I think so. This one year, I I don't want to. I, I'm not going to say he's going to be the backup quarterback, and, and if something happened to Spencer, that he would be the guy. Uh, I don't know that they'll throw him out, or, or whether Doty will get first crack at it. I would guess it would be Doty still, but uh, I think Sellers is good enough and far enough along right now where he can help the football team, and then. There's a lot to be excited about, I think, for sellers after 2023. Uh, a lot. Well, that's almost like a reliever type situation in baseball. Talented kid, got everything. Don't want to put him in a spot out there where he's going to have to fail in order to, and then build himself back up. Just start building. And, uh, and, and don't, you know, Eli Jerzenbeck, for instance, you know, if Will Sanders went down on Friday night, they weren't just going to plug Eli Jerzenbeck into the Friday night job. There's another guy or two in front of him. But we all knew what he was capable of doing, and he was going to earn that time as he got more comfortable with himself and, and kind of a similar situation. I, I think Dow Loggins is the difference maker. I, I just really do. I, the more I learn about this guy, the, I'm telling you, the more I learn about this guy, I don't know how he's going to call plays. We haven't seen it. But the more that I hear from dudes who spend time around him, they're like, you know, Shane got it right as far as hiring a guy that knows how to – create, build an offense. Can he call it on Saturday? We'll, we'll have to find out. It seems like he can, but we'll have to wait and see. But uh, but thus far. On Sunday for years, I mean. You know, yeah, yeah I mean, you don't keep getting that many chances in the NFL if you can't call it. I mean, I, mean, I would think it would be a little, probably a little, e- little easier. to you know, Probably because, I mean, in, in, in pro ball, there's all these checks. and I mean, you're basically checking right until the play clock goes down and praying. Uh, college may be a little more set step forward, but I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait and hold off on 
calling the play, the actual calling of the ball plays until we see it. But because I promised you guys I would, but sure, yeah, I'd fair. be stunned if I'd be stunned if everybody wasn't extremely happy with this offense. And uh, I'll never forget you know, the spring game this year. He said it's going to be vanilla. And first play of the game's a nine route to Eddie Lewis. He's wide open. Spencer just missed it. Yeah. I mean, if that's vanilla, uh, we're going to throw a nine route first play of the game. Okay. Yeah, but uh, anyway. I don't know. Call but, me, you know, traditional or whatever, <laughs> or old school. But it wouldn't hurt my feelings this year if we saw Sellers versus Furman, and then not again until November, and then maybe in the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> three shots, three. Well, that, you know, blowing. You're blowing. You know, a, a private school away at the early part of the year. You know, maybe Jacksonville State. He makes another appearance. Now, I agree with the whole maybe having a package or two for him. Uh, you know selectively you know employed uh but i don't yeah. know then well I, hey. let him learn let him learn get, i mean if you're if you're up big let him in there let him get some action but i don't know i mean there's still like the game is so fast even for a talented freshman you know and you want to get him some exposure to that but i don't think you want to do it in super critical times uh, i'll tell you they, this they I, won't Hey, no, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. amazing, by the way. Spencer Rattler is a returning starting quarterback in South Carolina. Steve Spurrier once hit the nail on the head. Most popular player on the team is a backup quarterback. Always is. <laughs> Here we are. We got maybe the best QB <laughs> in the whole freaking conference, and everybody wants to talk about who the hell is going to be the third-string quarterback uh, in South Carolina. Spurrier put him in, though. Yeah. Spurrier, but I don't yeah, know well, how to go in. Unbelievable. Hey, he wants to be the second string, and Rattler's like, hey, I, if you don't mind, I kind of won the last game for him. Spencer, I'm gonna rotate you and Lenoris every play. You know, just yeah. like no <laughs> We got to take our quick final time out of the afternoon. We'll be right back in a moment to wrap it up on Inside the Gamecocks. The show. In the days of being back in the pool and boat are quickly approaching. Many of us don't have the time to hit the gym, but Charleston Fitness Equipment can change that for you. Outfit your home with a treadmill, elliptical, or my favorite, a home rower that allows you to row with the pros all over the world. They have free weights, home gyms, flooring, and much more that makes keeping or getting in shape much more convenient. Located in Mount Pleasant, visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com for more. Get in shape like our Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 L-O-N-M-L-S 1772-182 Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The barndominiumco.com. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Petri from Land Florida. 
and you're listening to the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. On deep drive to left. Morgan looks up and it is gone. Yo, two is sent to center. And this one is going to be long gone. Shot the opposite field from Casas, and it's gone. 2-0. That's driven deep to left. Bird looks up, and it's gone. To see some of those bingers, yeah, they got to come back. They'll be back. <laughs> They'll be back this weekend. Oh, this yeah. is this is exciting, man! I cannot wait to get into Columbia tomorrow night and uh, spend the weekend around the program and pulling the Gamecocks. Hopefully, right into the uh, Super Regionals. So, any of you that are headed that way, if you see me, flag me down and. Would love to say hello to as many of you as we possibly can. By the way, speaking of baseball, tomorrow uh, the plan is to have Stuart Lake and Drew Meyer uh, tomorrow. We also are hoping to be joined potentially uh, by a national baseball writer. I don't want to say anything about it just yet, just trying to see uh, if we can get the schedule clear to get him in for a little bit. So, um but uh, we'll 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 find out, and then on Friday, uh, we're working on that as well. Obviously, schedules are a little tricky right now with um, with all the postseason stuff. So, uh, I will be doing my part of our program from Columbia, um, but um, we'll we'll be here nonetheless, getting you ready to roll for Carolina baseball on Friday night. And uh, if you've bought tickets to the regional, get out there at one o'clock if you can on Friday. If you can take the day off of work or get out of there early, Campbell and NC State. Uh, one of those, Carolina's going to play one of them, no matter what happens, on Saturday. So uh, that, that has a chance to be a pretty good game. And Get out there and check them out. I look forward to watching that one as well. And we'll see what happens. All right, guys, uh, final quick predictions on uh, everybody loves kick times. I'm going with <laughs> six, 6 o'clock ESPN, 7 o'clock SEC Plus. Phil? I'm going. Oh, what? I'm going – I don't know. I think they give. I think they give ACC Network that first one, but it's still probably six. Ooh, yeah. you already lost, Phil. They're not. They're not going to put that game on the ACC Network. Hmm. Are you talking about ABC though? Like no, I meant the ABC, ABC game. Yeah. What is that? Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, well, it'll it'll Big not difference. ACC Network through the ACC channel. Let me put it that way. And it'll Big be difference. on uh, ABC. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Seven thirty p.m. kickoff on ABC. Yep. All right. Well, and here's the good news, folks. If it if it does draw a night kick for North Carolina, which we should know in the next couple of hours, uh, there's a good chance you'll be able to see J.C. Schubert and myself and Captain Phil and a whole host of folks. Maybe some special of- guest at the Carolina Rise tailgate. Yeah. <laughs> so pull for a night kick. Cool. Pull for a night kick. Right. Yeah, even a even a six, I think we'd still do it. But uh, absolutely, gotta, gotta gotta get gotta get on that planning. 
Get up, get up, and get going. It's game day. It's it's football season. I'm fired up. Yeah, you know, I would do it five in the morning for a noon game. You mentioned earlier about getting the fan. If I were in Columbia on Friday after the show, I'd I'd have my butt out there hanging with Jan, hanging a few beer. Jan, Jan, I will see you. I promise, I'll come see you on Friday. And I promise, (laughs) we're going to talk more recruiting tomorrow. It's just we're kind of in a holding pattern, waiting on. Yeah, visits. Uh, something at you. Heard some pretty good stuff about one five star DN Dylan Stewart the other night. So. Yep. How about that? Ooh, oh, little teaser. Oh, teasing him. JC's getting into this media thing. You tease him, make him come back tomorrow at eleven. I mean, I don't have any great details about it. Just uh, oh wait, no, no, come on now, wait a minute. <laughs> you, you got it. You got to know cut it out. Let's just say it would not surprise me to see the Gamecocks pick another five star out of our nations. You got you, yeah. No, okay. Now we're back on track here. Now the train's back on track. Okay. Quantrus right. Miller like kegs only. Yeah, that's all I drink. <laughs> I quit drinking White Claw. I was like, no more White Claw. I got my man card back. Somebody's, I'll have to bring a keg of Modelo. <laughs> Modelo's allowed. Yeah. I'll have to bring some Modelo. Bring your own keg. The bring BYO keg. <laughs> BYOK. We have that chicken wing eating contest now that for this one. Since the baseball team will show up, we'll have a keg stand contest. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, I'm sure Kings King would love that. I'm good. <laughs> good thing. Right. win the World Series, will be fine with it. Oh, no, there you go. Yeah, that would be well worth the investment. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Breaking your Thanks neck. To... I can only imagine my 40-something-year-old ass trying to do no, a I'm keg stand that. these days. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Really appreciate Landon Powell joining us in Hour 1. If you missed it, uh, go back and check it out. Great, great stuff, as always, from LP. One of the best. And they will look to defend their national championship and carry... North Carolina coming up this weekend. Uh, so go North Greenville crew Saders. Of course, he had a lot to say about the Gamecocks as well and what it will take to get to Omaha and win it. We'll find out starting Friday. Uh, Drew Meyer, Stuart Lake tomorrow. And, of course, J.C., Phil, and myself will we'll also be here, if you don't mind, until 1 o'clock. Until then, though, keep an eye out for kick times. Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by one of the United States' best builders, the Barndo Co., the Barndominium Co.com. Find them there. Find us right here tomorrow at 11. We'll see you then.